Welcome, everyone, to episode 21 of the Gamify Everything podcast, Beyond the Metaverse. I'm your host, Marcus Howard, and today we are joined by Esther Callahan from Hundo.Careers. Welcome to the show, Esther. Thank you. How are you managing with the jet lag? You just flew over from Spain? No, yeah, actually, um, Rotterdam, London, um, to Austin, uh, Texas. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, what you should always do with jet lag is agree to do a live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. Everyone else is too. Uh, this podcast is powered by Gamify, an ideal launchpad for everything Gamify, from the metaverse, play to earn games, esports, you know, anything that has gamification in it. This is the platform to get the funding, the community, the, the legal support, everything you need to to scale those applications, and and hopefully in the future, you know, potentially this may be an alpha. We don't know. We can't see into the future, but get jobs through partnership with Hundo Careers. We've not had that conversation at all, but I would I would love to see that happen. Esther, can you tell everyone about your background and talk about Hundo Careers? Yeah, of course. Um, so I. My career um, was not um, related to tech or gaming, um, but I um, have worked with young people um, for the last two decades, um, working in everything from youth and employment, but also the causes and consequences. Um, so a lot of work on, on what I call kind of the, the hard edges. Um, so homelessness, um, young male suicide, um, teenage self-harm, and um, actually came to uh, meet my co-founder, Piers, um, six years ago now. Um, before we were Hundo, uh, we met when I was running a, a youth employment charity and um, looking at supporting young people um, with, uh, well, very simple things like um, haircuts, suits, pair of shoes, you know, interview skills, you know, um, CV skills. And out of that, um, he came from a kind of very commercial background. Um, I came obviously from, from a charitable one. And we started to see that there was just a structural systemic issue occurring for young people. Um, and in many ways, you can say that a lot of the issues start with child poverty. Um, that's a big issue. <laughs> um, I don't know quite how to solve that. Um, but what I do know is that um, young people like myself, um, I left school when I was 16, um, single parent family, grew up on free school meals, um, quite a difficult background. And it's really hard uh, to, you know, to kind of progress and move forward. I was very fortunate because um, I can talk to strangers <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and, and, and quite bright, you know, and, but, but actually for a lot of kids, they don't always get out, um, you know, of, of the place that I, that I came from. So, um, and for me, you know, we, we always, we always see these um, young people who come from these like tough backgrounds, they're always kind of put forward as like, you know, this inspiring thing. And it's kind of going, it kind of needs to start to be the norm that young people can just make their way in the world um, and start to do well for themselves rather than it being something, you know, rather than being adversity, you know, this thing to kind of really celebrate. Um, and so that was that was kind of my background. Um, and then I, COVID happened, um, you know, kind of when we were in the middle of sort of looking at how, you know, we support young people in the UK um, initially. Um, but then pretty much overnight, um, that whole way of working kind of, just stopped um you know and you know work from home you know that that whole thing um, and young people uh, lost their jobs at three to five times the rate of every other age group and they were wow, already in yeah yeah yes yeah, and, and they were already in kind of the minimum wage low pay zero hours contract numbers job security so a lot of the older generation particularly in the uk you know were on furlough you know they're getting paid you know kind of being off work that wasn't the same thing for young people and at the same time, um, there was just a massive demand in the jobs market for software engineers, 
um, you know, well-paid work, you know, sort of $150,000 a year jobs. And I started to, obviously, the all of my experience, you know, over, over the last kind of 20 odd years, but I started to see that actually it is a global systemic structural breakdown um, between education and the employability skills that young people are going to need for not the future of work in 10 years time, you know, the future of work, like just, you know, 3 million new tech roles in the UK needed by 2025. That's like two and a half years away (laughs) kind of thing, you know. Um, And it's not to go on about how bad education is. It's going like, it just can't keep pace um, with the rate of change. Um, And for kids like me, you know, particularly if you're female, you know, if you're a family, you know, I don't come from a STEM background. You know, it wasn't an acronym when I was at school, <laughs> you know, so, that, so there's this kind of intergenerational, you know, thing that we need to solve. And um, and we started to want to look at um, the possibility of Web3 um, as, as part of a solution um, to that problem that just is stubborn and never really seems to go away. There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> Thank you, first and foremost, for everything you're doing in the space. And you, you mentioned, you know, the, the typically underrepresented experience, um, but I, you, you added another layer to it. And, and I think it's important to, to clarify it because you mentioned, you know, financially impoverished. And, and it's it's so often that when people are having these conversations and, and I'm probably guilty of it myself, you know, kind of speaking specifically. And, and I, I do actually, I know I am guilty of it. Whenever I speak about um, disadvantaged dis- or underrepresented. I always speak from the black experience because I mm. am black, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that all people who are uh, financially challenged or disadvantaged are black. Um, there's mm. financial disadvantage. And that can, I'm about to make up a word now. Disadvantagement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a big word. Poverty can can affect people from from all backgrounds. From you know. Mm age, race, gender, geography. So I think it's important to have a solution that thinks about everyone, but I think also statistically it disproportionately affects women and people of color. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that actually represented on, on your website here. Yeah. So I, you, you speak from that experience and you were able to make a solution out of, out of your circumstance and it looks like you're trying to scale that solution for others. So again, thank you. So, and, and it's, you know, it's not... Um, it, it's not what, what, you know, kind of your, your experience and lens that you look at it, you know, in some places, young black men, um, you know, that there's kind of the disadvantage that I spoke about, they're three times again, <laughs> more disadvantage, you know, so that there is. And, but for me, if I've learned anything in, in my life, it's, it's not just about financial um, inequality, it's, it can be poverty of opportunity, um, you know, actually poverty has a toxic impact on a young person, it robs them of self-confidence. Um, of self-belief, of assuredness, you know, it has a whole kind of range of things and it and it generally cross-cuts um, with equality, diversity, inclusion issues as well. So I don't think it's totally unfair to to look through it through the lens that you look at it as well. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense. Now, you said it, I said, wow, earlier, but if, if you're newly hired to a company and if you're younger, most likely you're not going to get a senior role. And mm-hmm. I would imagine that as, you know, budget cuts are being made, they're going to lay off furlough or, or otherwise remove people who either have the least seniority or the least value add to an organization. So if you're just now joining, there's not a, you don't have the opportunity because of the, the, the essence of time that it, it requires to do that, to create that kind of meaningful impact to an organization. Yeah. They're going to keep you when they're making cuts. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's short sighted, which is obviously why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, half of our um, at Hondo, you know, we made a commitment that 50 percent of our workforce would be um, young people. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels kind of slightly rich to talk to other employees about what they should be doing. <laughs> um, and and the nice thing is, like, we didn't have to do it by tick box, you know, kind of exercises. We have a we have a, a hugely diverse workforce, you know, and a young 50 percent, you know, are, you know, kind of Gen Z and it's actually a brilliant place to work. <laughs> you know, it's it's fun uh, because there's loads of like, there's loads of energy and there's loads of ideas and there's loads of different perspectives. And um, so I actually feel like um, companies who don't um, engage in that, I think they're actually missing out. Um, I think young people are brilliant to work with. Um, I said, you know, I kind of I certainly enjoy going to work with them. So, um, yeah, lots of vibes, lots of banter. <laughs> that makes sense to me, too, because I, I think about what people say about you know, the education system um, being kind of cookie cutter and it basically like feeds the creativity out of youth because, yeah. you know, from even from as young as like, you know, kindergarten, first grade, it's, yeah. it's you know, do specifically these things. And basically they train you to take tests so yeah. that you can be an employee instead of a, um, a business owner. And that's a different conversation altogether. But I, I can imagine that same thing. If you are, uh, let's say a, a recent high school graduate or a college graduate, you have all this hope, optimism for your career until you enter the workforce. And then again, it's very cookie cutter, like do this specific thing. New ideas are not encouraged. Uh, You know, innovation is is only encouraged within the channels for which they provide. And I've experienced that myself. Like Mm. the last two jobs where I did this contract work and I would come up with novel ideas that, that could add meaningful value to the bottom line, but it wasn't within the direct line of sight where the companies are going. So I was basically told to go sit down and go back to writing code. But it is interesting because, um, you know, I've said talks about the, the kind of what happens to young people during COVID in the employment space. Um, but actually, we started to see, um, and actually since 2008, you know, we've seen a huge increase in young people who actually do go and get degrees mm-hmm. um, and they get decent degrees. Um, and they find themselves out of work for sort of six, nine, 12 months um the one there's a young lad on twitter um and he was like you know i was into like nfts and you know you had nft stuff but he's nice. like i know you know he's like i never got rubbed sixty thousand dollars you know on <laughs> NFT. you know he said well i spent three years doing a degree and that's like it's <laughs> like it kind of was just this like perfect summary of, of sort of where a lot of young people are finding themselves and particularly those ironically and quite sadly who are maybe like the first in their family to go to uni, you know, because they come from a socioeconomically disadvantaged background. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they leave with debt and they and, and that kind of like graduate straight into a job thing is kind of gone as well. Um, but a lot of, you know, a lot of what's driven our, um, you know, move into this space um, is looking at um, young people, you know, my son included during lockdown. Um, you know, they're kind of online all the time you know, learning, working, gaming, you know, developing skills um, that should belong on a CV, you know, that employers should need, things like world building, you know, team building, um, everything from, you know, clash of plans, you know, Valorant, you know, all of these um, skills that, you know, building in Minecraft, you know, all of this stuff that isn't um, recognised, you know, is actually really, really valuable skills. Um, And that's where I started to kind of really start to see how these two worlds, you know, if we could bring them together somehow, um, that maybe we could actually uh, start to scale a solution um, for the benefit of, you know, what ultimately we'd like to be millions of young people. 
I definitely offline need to introduce you to several folks in, in <laughs> the, the circle that I work with and gaming and esports because we're having those conversations as yeah. well. Like it was actually your um it was your post that triggered all of this, you know, kind of I don't know, a year ago you you, you put this kind of ecosystem of jobs um on your LinkedIn feed and I was like, I'm gonna follow this this person. Um because that was, you know, that this it's kind of exciting. You know, there is a whole range of jobs that you might actually want to do um mm-hmm. as a young person rather than just having to go into a job that you have to do. Um, you know, I I didn't necessarily want to work as a window cleaner or in care homes or you know, behind the bar, but I had to. Um, actually, that's exactly that one. Yes, coming out in the book. <laughs> Shout out to Nico Bassons in France. I, I'll connect you to him as well. He's at the top of the list. So yeah. Thank you for that reminder. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. I, I agree 100. And, and people, a don't know that that you know the, the experience in gaming is valuable for your career, and b can figure out how to translate that actual experience yeah. into yeah. a career. And so that's where Hundo Careers is yeah. the perfect solution. That's that's the plan. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So tell me uh, a little bit about where you are in the state of Hundo Careers. I know we've had a couple of chats and, and you're in South by Southwest right now here in the States. What, what yes. are you doing there? So what brought you over over the seas? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was uh, well, it's quite um, it's quite a milestone for me because I wanted to come here since I was 18. So um, and I was 42 uh, last week. So, uh, so yeah. Happy birthday been, uh, and thank you. Yes, oh, thank <laughs> you. I have been waiting a long time uh, to come to South by. Um, so yeah, we're we're uh, we're on panel. Uh, we're on panel picker uh, in the tech leader space on Saturday, talking about Gen Z metaverse future work. I'm going to sound like a broken record uh, soon. And um, then I've been asked to speak um, in uh, cultivating, you know, diversity inclusion in um, in the metaverse with Fluff World. So I'm going to bounce over there on Sunday. Uh, I've been asked to do a podcast and yeah, I was kind of expecting to come and do one panel and <laughs> now my schedule is like, I don't have enough hours in the day. So yeah, so I'm gonna, I kind of wish I had my 18 year old self energy, um, but nevertheless, I am, I am super buzzing to be here. So, uh, so yeah. And in terms of um, why and how it all happened. So we, um, where, where all this started for me was a couple of years ago. Um, I, I just started obsessing um, about the metaverse and what it was, you know, what is it, you know, kind of the, this sort of possible, this possibility, you know, of it that, that I found really interesting. And um, for, a few, for a few reasons, which I'm happy to talk about, if you... Right ahead, this is your time So, yeah, so it was a few things. Um, the I, I went, I was working on a, a women's cycling tour, of all things, um, in Scotland. and. Um, I went to University of West of Scotland and found myself um, in the futurologist um, kind of digital marketer space um, with an Oculus Rift strapped to my head. Um, and it was eye opening um, quite literally um, in terms of I saw um, the kind of the application beyond sort of like the fun stuff, you know, and all that, which is great. Um, but actually, I, I kind of deep dived a little bit more. And um, there was a, a prison, I think, in California and they were using um VR um, and AR as a way to reintegrate um, long-term um, prisoners into uh, back into society because a lot of them were sent down when they were um, very young men and um, they were kind of 40, 50 years old. And when they went into prison, um, ATMs, um, cash machines didn't exist. So they, they come out into a world that is absolutely alien to them and so reoffend and go back inside. And it was this really moving, um, very moving documentary, actually, um, about this project 
that was helping to reduce reoffending rates using, you know, VRAR. So I was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's really cool. Some people roll their eyes, but I did read Ready Player One and I did watch the film and I was, and I start and I was kind of going like, can we get to the bit at the end, <laughs> you know, where, um, where, where, which, which what I now know to be a kind of open metaverse, you know, sort of thesis, um, uh, you know, that, that place where actually um, young people can start to compete, you know, in, in asset classes that they're currently totally outpriced, housing, you know, every, everything, you know, they can't, um, you know, can they actually start to um, use self-sovereign data, um, you know, which they can anonymise, you know, monetize if they want to, but if they don't want to, and and, and sort of how do you, that whole aspect of Web3 around um, community, um, around decentralization, And then I, as you probably tell, I when I start to, think about it I start to obsess about it and then I came across um outlier ventures um and I read their open metaverse thesis and um I was going through an, an equity investment round at the time our seed round um which was punishing um especially when you are a female founder who is told by everyone you have no deep stem or technical background um and so I was like I was listening to Jamie Burke on um I think it was a LinkedIn live who's uh, a managing uh, founder um, of, of Outlier. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to email them and they're probably going to ignore me, <laughs> um, but I'm going to email them anyway. And um, and they didn't ignore me. Um, they got straight back in touch and uh, came in on our equity round and then immediately put us onto their base camp accelerator program. So we were able to go from what would have taken us 12 to 18 months, you know, as a kind of a concept um, in 12 weeks on this boot camp, which was like the most intense thing I've ever done. Um, we were able to really start to get to grips with, um, can we create, can we take play to earn principles and make a platform which we, we call learn to earn, um, you know, somewhere that we can make um, learning, rewarding, engaging, fun and relevant um, for young people based on the jobs that are available now and and in the future um, and can we augment their learning because um, they're all stuck in you know all young people we're stuck in education because government says we have to be you know that's fine you know I'm not going to argue with that we'll be there forever um, but can we augment that learning you know with boot camps masterclasses you know to get young people to discover what jobs are available you know that ecosystem that picture that you um, that you held up and what they need to do to get there, you know, and then on the other side, start to talk to employers about every every gaming company, every Web3 company, every Web2 company has got a massive skill shortage. And it's not just in um, deep tech, it's Discord community channel managers, it's, you know, digital marketing managers for digital fashion brands, you know, it's this whole, um, it's this whole ecosystem. And and yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at you going, it was your diagram that kind of was part of what set all of this off. So there was these few, you know, kind of things that happened. Um, and we won, we actually won an Innovate UK grant. Um, oh, congratulations. To, yeah, it was in 2020 um, to pilot the use of avatars um, to remove or reduce hiring bias. Um, because as you will well know, um, if you have a foreign sounding name or a different colour skin, uh, to why, you know, that there is... Um, conscious and unconscious bias you know that, that occurs right across the right across the chain and um, yeah. so we were looking at um you know can we use that to yeah to, to help and it, it was very successful um with young people um not you know we were talking earlier 90 percent um of the young people who supported didn't believe they were eligible for the roles they've gone into if you don't even believe that you're eligible to go and work for a company you're never gonna bridge that gap you know so yeah. so we started to do some really exciting things um 
And then the, the final piece is looking at um, CV as a redundant piece of paper. You know, it doesn't it doesn't tell you anything about a person. Um, and actually, it does. And every eighteen year old CV will tell you that they're hardworking, highly motivated individuals. You know, and um, and it's kind of going. But all of this, you know, gaming behavior, you know, all of this activity, all of this stuff that's being online, um, we want to replace the CV with an on-chain um, skills wallet. Um, so there is a permanent record of everything that you're doing. And it means that you can be agile in your career. You know, look at mine. It's completely squiggly. <laughs> um, you know, not by design, you know, but, but the, you know, you can go from being a, maybe you'll study, uh, I don't know blockchain you know just solidity developer but you decide actually i don't want to sit looking at code all day <laughs> um i actually want to run a server or you know i want to get into digital fashion um hundo's campus um will enable um young people to do that so that while they're in education um they can self-define um, their own education at the same time um and it, the, the whole um platform is powered by its own token um it's called let's go <laughs> and, um, and the point of that is um, it's utility of the hybrid but utility in the main um, and the purpose of that is the best way that you can make a generation crypto literate um, is teaching them how to use it effectively and safely um, so that's those are kind of the key um, components um, of campus that we're building at the moment um, it's, it's exciting yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited because it's the first time in my whole career in my whole life that I that I think there is a way to rapidly scale a solution to meet the scale of the demand um, that's need, you know that's needed, um, and the social impact of that um, is huge. You know, intergenerational poverty um, is one of the issues. If you can break the cycle in one generation, um, then the then the then the kids that come after that, you know, um, you sort of don't just level the playing field. You know, you help everybody to level up. Um, so yeah, so I, I yeah I get quite passionate about it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And shout out to Jamie Burke over at Outline Ventures. Um, I, I don't know him personally per se, but he has been very responsive on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, and, and that's been really refreshing for me. Yeah. I, I had yeah. the exact same challenges. You know, I, I shut down my last company because I was mm. trying to go raise a million dollars, and then I, I dropped it down to five hundred thousand dollars, and I dropped it down to a hundred thousand dollars, and then. In total, in seven years, traveling to ten states, I only raised five grand. Yeah. And and yeah. this was despite the fact that I had a functioning solution in the marketplace that had users mm. in forty countries. People, yeah. I literally had an investor tell me he didn't think I could do it when I was showing him that I had done it. Wow. Like, yeah. What yeah. Do you yeah. Mean I can't do it. Like, look, go to the website. Look, look yeah. at the community. Look at the platform. Oh, I can't do it. Okay, that's yeah. fine. So it's, I, it's, it's the it's the real it's the real life example of this of the statistic that sits behind that. Yeah, zero point eight percent of VC funding goes to diverse founders, and yeah. um, so you know it, it's it's bad for women. It's even worse again for diverse female. You know, so we go on. But but outlier, um, the whole team there, um, it's been absolutely game changing for us. You know, absolutely game changing. They are a brilliant. Um, you know, I think they are the they call themselves a Y combinator. You know, of Web three. But um, I think they're I think they're yeah, much more so much more than that. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it sounds like you got a tremendous amount of value out of the accelerator program as well, yeah. which I think is particularly valuable when you're just starting out. Like you yeah. have this great idea, and you need that process to go from idea to platform yeah. and value proposition, all of that. Um, I, I've had the opposite experience because I went through four accelerators with the last mm-hmm. company. Um, basically, as I was traveling those ten states, hoping that yeah. going to the yeah. program would get me access to capital, which surprise it didn't. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> but it, it, I started to see diminished returns because mm. you know, the curriculum generally is not that different between one program and the next. What, what changes is kind of the industry focus per se, like there is Web3, NFTs, yeah. Metaverse, and the sort. And then ultimately the networking you can do. Every, yeah. every community yeah. is different. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see and hear that it no, was. Yeah, it was great. And actually, you know, we were part of a cohort that we're partnering with, um, mm-hmm. you know, with campus. So it's it's that whole kind of network effect um, of Outlier. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're a tireless um, support. Um, yeah, they've been absolutely brilliant. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be here without them. So uh, that's the... Shameless <laughs> plug. They've earned it for sure. Totally. No, they have. They have. Mate, if you had spent, well, you know, because you've just, if you had spent the six months I had spent last year being told I was a non technical co founder, as though I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I am, I, I am an unashamed fangirl. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share some tips for those who are either viewing this live here in the Discord and actually want to give people who are in Discord an opportunity. If you want to, to ask a question live, raise your hand, certainly promote you to the stage, you can do so. But I, I want you, from your pers- experience and your perspective, to share tips for people who are trying to break into the space. Before I do that, well, two things. One, just a couple of housekeeping items. Again, this is powered by Gamify Ideal Launchpad. Uh, we do have our own token, the GMI token. You can go stake it on the website right now for up to 225% APY. We do have two IDOs that are coming up. One's tomorrow with the GAMI team. Um, you can go to the Twitter, YouTube, Medium to go find out about that. The next one is next Thursday. It's Time Raiders. So there's the housekeeping item for, for those of you who want to be a part of that. Those IDOs are coming literally tomorrow and then the next week. Uh, but but I wanted to piggyback on a statement you made earlier about like the challenge of higher education as it stands. Because I remember when I was in college, I actually tried to corral a bunch of people to do like a, a letter, a hunger strike to promote a letter writing campaign to our local politicians. Because at the time, this is 15 years ago, it's probably still happening now. Well, Maybe not because of the amount of inflation, <laughs> but the price of attending college, the, the increase in price to attend college was outpacing inflation. There's no way that's happening in the last two years here in the U.S. Uh, but, but people go and get these degrees. The job market didn't, availability of job opportunities didn't match their degree. So they spent 10, 20, 30, in some cases, 40, 50, $60,000 over a five year period and now can't get the type of job to pay off that debt. I'm still paying off my student debt and I only have 15 grand left. Uh, you know, I, some people end up with that debt for, I have it now 15 years, 30, 45 years, and they can never pay it off. Yeah. So when I, when I started telling people, students in there to the, to the dismay of parents and teachers is that <laughs> I, I always advocate for higher education, but I'm not necessarily a proponent of universities mm. because of the business model. I still think there's value there in the education and in the community, but the opportunity cost from a time and money perspective mm. is, is, is too much. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's super valid. You know, I, I, I said earlier, I left school when I was 16, you know, so I have mm. um, GCSE, so that's my highest um, qualification because um, I had to, I had to go to work. Um, mm. But I actually, you're right, it's kind of like there's a lot of uh, my friends who are still paying off um, uni debt from, from ages ago and they didn't necessarily even go and do the jobs in the end that you know that you know actually Piers, my co-founder is a classic example he did um totally born on literally different sides opposite sides of the tracks me and him you know and he went to uni, went to a good uni um did ancient history and archaeology but he was um he graduated in 2008 
you know, have has no jobs, you know, in the in 2008 range. That's when I graduated. I, I know that there were no jobs. <laughs> like that, that, that generation, and it's kind of going. Um, it, it, it's really strange to me because it's going like at any given time there is an equivalent number of jobs in the market as there is people looking for work. So, so that this mismatch, you know, is kind of the issue, and um, mm. where you boil it right down. Um, and I think, you know, we talk to a lot of universities um, because. Ultimately, they they have to have fee-paying students. Otherwise, they they you know their business model itself you know um, hits a bit of a brick wall. Um, I agree with you. I think actually, um, I'd have loved to have gone to uni, you know, just for the social life, which of itself I think is hugely valuable for young people. It's almost like you get to not have to be an adult for just a bit longer, you know, you just eke it out a bit more. Um, but actually. Uh, a lot of the universities that we taught to were very interested in campus as a way to augment um, what their students are doing um, in terms of when you're focusing on the employability aspect, you know, of, of what you want to do, where you go next. So that was quite unexpected for us, to be honest. Um, you know, but I, I actually think someone described it really nicely. They said, like, if you imagine education is like a layer one, <laughs> um, you know, like an ETH or, a, you know, whatever. Um, they're like, you're layer two, you're like polygon, you know, for education. <laughs> so like, I was like, it's quite a cool way of looking at it because, you know, it's not just about um, young people actually digital native. So a lot of these concepts, you know, picking this stuff up is actually easier um, in many ways and um, because they are native to it. Um, you're going to have to think about reskilling two, three generations of teachers. Um, it's not that they're bad teachers. Um, but, you know, you're talking to them about concepts, you know, and using terminology that they just, it's just completely foreign to them, completely alien. Um, and I think that's some of the bridging some of that divide, I think, is going to be really beneficial um, to, to the Web3 space. Um, and I think it needs to do that because actually the more the more you can mainstream something, you know, the more accessible that you can make something. And um, I think that's beneficial in the long term um, for the whole industry. Excellent. I, and I'm right there with you. I remember when I went to Georgia Southern, and, and again, I graduated 2008 in the middle of the housing <laughs> wow. disaster. Yeah. Uh, right before I graduated, the CIO for the or CTO for the university was he was talking to my brother and me. I have an identical twin brother. And he and I were involved <laughs> in student uh, government. So we, we got to help like spearhead technology projects because that was just our natural passion. Yeah. So we started having conversations about Second Life, ironically, which I, <laughs> I think Probably the, the first full metaverse. Yeah, yeah. It's and way ahead of its time. <laughs> way ahead of its time. You know, I tell people all the time that the gaming industry has been the metaverse since it was mm. connected to the internet. And maybe even before you could connect, because yeah. you still created avatars. But I think Second Life is like one of the first true ecosystems where mm. it's like a full economy, yeah. you know, end to end. So, you know, schools then were, were, he was considering it, but even as just kind of a pet project, not something mm. that they would invest all in. And, and that was even there an edge case. And yeah. I think. 20 years later, we're still having those conversations, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. But it's also, you know, in my other side of my life, I do triathlon. And, um, you know, when I'm trying to explain to, you know, people in my circle who are just like, Esther, like, what's this mad thing that you're like, I don't know half of what, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, whatever, carry on. Um, but they use um, they use software like Zwift, you know, which is a cycling app that you connect, mm-hmm. you know, to it. But that's a metaverse, in my opinion, you know, because I have, I, have, I have an avatar which goes on a bike it's a, it's a bike I can't afford in real life, <laughs> you know, um, but I'll do those extra hills and those extra miles to get a different kit. And, different, and I never really, you know, as I said, I come from a gaming background, so I never really thought I would get caught up in that. You know, it's a bit like, oh, you know, it's all, but actually, 
um, you get to cycle with friends. You get to engage with people. It's not um, it's not a closed world. You know, people go on about you know like gaming and you know metaverse and you know all of this that we're all going to be walking around in this dystopian nightmare. And I don't see it like that. I think there's a lot of stuff we're already doing that is you could you could class as you know kind of metaverse. Um, but people just it's just a new, it's a word you know that that people are just kind of getting to grips with at the moment. But projects like yours give me hope that we we aren't headed to a dystopian metaverse or or future dystopian future in the metaverse. Yeah. I have seen some things that that are quite troubling to me, but <laughs> but this this is the ray of hope in in that that, mm. that cloudy troubled outlook. I, can you talk to people again who and, and finally circle the wagon here? So, mm. so I apologize for the tangent, but people who want to get into play to earn and metaverse mm. jobs. What are your top three or five tips? And I know this, you hadn't prepared these, but I hope that you can share some right <laughs> here because you work with, with people who mm. are trying to go down this path. I think um, bravery. <laughs> um, you know, it's something which I think are probably just universal truths. Um, it's a, but there's loads of, there's loads of nonsense in the space because it's a new and emerging space and it's fun. Um, and there's a load of stuff going on and that's always the way, you know, when there's, when there's new things, you're always going to get good and bad players. But, um, at the core of it, um, that there is, I think a brilliant community and certainly for me coming in totally, um, this is not my world, you know, like complete, you know, not not just imposter syndrome, just like, you know, I, I went to, um, yeah, actually, yeah, it goes, it goes to the point you asked me bravery, um, and, and just jumping in, um, that I think is there. Uh, that that would be my my best advice. Um, and the way that you can do that, you know, as I said, like I, I just got fascinated by it. You know, I, I read and read and read, you know, extensively. You know, I'm very lucky um, that our technical co-founder now Scott Burn Fraser has a. He is from a gaming background. I think it takes takes you know kind of gaming consoles apart at the weekend, you know, for fun. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, but I found it. Um, I found people who were willing to give me their time um, and it's actually, you know, one of the very first people was Kathy Hackle, in fact, you know, oh, really? who's, yeah, who's okay. absolutely blown up now, you know, but about, I don't know, 2020, I think we did um, uh, a future work panel um, together, you know, she was one of the very first people to kind of encourage me in this space. Um, Kelly Vero, you know, another one, you know, like out and out gamers, you know, and, and again, Marcus, you know, sort of like people like yourself, you know, I, I literally, message you on LinkedIn you know sort of like there's no there's no real rocket science in what I do um I just kind of like um so but but, you know that's not some people find that really hard you know so 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 it takes a bit of bravery and research you know um do the research you know if, if there's an area um of the of the space that you're interested in um yeah just read about it you know kind of you know study it um there's yeah that that's that's kind of what I do um you asked me for three things didn't you um a third thing I think is um have a go and I get it wrong I mean you know if you mm-hmm. saw if you if you could film me you know trying to convert Matic you know from Coinbase into MetaMask and just where's my NFT you got like just absolutely going mad going like you know come on these things that you know like go, going on a panel you know on South by literally this week and I'm still there going like where is my public key address <laughs> um so so I think but you know I wasn't around for the for the for the kind of the, the web two you know sort of explosion you know I wasn't for that but but I think you know I've read um, people like Jaron Lanier you know some of the some of the really early 
you know, people in the space. And I do feel like Web3 is that at the moment. Um, and so it's it's a fantastic and exciting time. Um, to be, because it needs people who don't necessarily come from um, those backgrounds. You know, we talk about diversity. You know, diverse yeah. backgrounds are important. Scott said a really nice thing to me. He said, he said, there's no technical person who could ever have come up with campus you know, with Hundo, he said you saw it from a completely different lens and saw the possibility of it. And, you know, I know that I sound hopelessly optimistic and naive. Um, but, you know, what's the alternative, you know, to be like really negative about it? And, you know, you know, you were talking about inflation earlier. Um, crypto is a way out of this. Uh, you know, I, I am actually encouraged by seeing the regulatory and um, stuff that's going on. I know a lot of people won't like it, you know, they won't want it. And yes, it will make things difficult. But I actually think, um, that's a positive step forward um, if it's starting to be taken seriously. You know, when you see things like South Korea government investing 187 million into Metaverse, all of a sudden it's be, it, it's kind of going, that could be very game changing um, for a lot of young people. Um, and, and so for those reasons, you know, I think the more people who come from different backgrounds that are involved in the space, um, then it, it will be better for it. Yeah, we, we know this already, you know, diverse teams perform better, you know. Web three and the metaverse and the gaming industry will perform better, you know, if it's if it's full of um, people with different opinions and different views. It, whenever we get around to uh, making like short clips of our episodes, we haven't done that now in, in now twenty one episodes. This is the first one I'm going to get. So thank you for that. That was that was gold. That was gold for sure. Sound bites. Yeah, sound bites. It, sound bites. It, it's funny, like so people have to hear it over and over again. But it, it's such a simple concept that like, maybe it's too simple. That like yes, diverse teams outperform non-diverse peers because you get yeah. to bring in a diversity of perspectives. Yeah. So you see more opportunities, and then you also have people who reflect a diverse population of consumers. Yeah. So you now have more opportunities to do business. I, I don't understand why that's such a bizarre like just a challenging concept for business mm. leaders, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> that we, we could go on about that all day. Yeah. We, we, we could, <laughs> we could. So I wanted to ask you some, what in your journey now, you've been in the space, what, five years, six years? So I would say, um, you know, Hundo, we started in, in 2020, um, yeah, February 2020, um, but myself and Piers working together for six years um, in total. Um, so yeah, so the, the kind of the, the wacky Web three stuff happened, uh, you know, because of because of Basecamp, because of the accelerator, right. is where I wanted to go. But um, a couple of years ago, you know, I was I was literally saying to peers on an almost daily basis, like the metaverse is coming, and we're going to miss it. Like, we're going to miss it, <laughs> and there's there's something in it that's going to be really beneficial, and I couldn't see it at the time. So uh, so yeah, I've been driving, um, yeah, legitimately driving people mad with it for probably about three years. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I was going to ask you about what do you think we need to do to, to address mainstream adoption and regulation. I think is a huge piece of it, but really quickly, I, you know, that was the same thing that, that I saw when I, I I bought my first crypto piece of crypto in 2013, and in 2016 I learned about blockchain, and I had that same aha moment that you did. Like, yeah, the internet is going to evolve into blockchain. And when I first had my first commercial experience with the internet, I was like 10, like 96. Mm -hmm. I was 10. I didn't have the resources or the maturity or the wherewithal, like mm. the, the, the bandwidth to do anything about it from a value creation yeah. equity perspective. Yeah. So like that's a regret that I had that I really had no control over because I was 10. Mm. So I, I didn't want to see that same thing happen with what I mm. knew with the blockchain would create, which is where we are now. Yeah. But but beyond the regulatory piece, what do you think is the biggest roadblock to mainstream adoption? How do we fix that? 
Um, UX, UI, you know, that what I talked about earlier in terms of um, it is so hard, you know, for, for a non-blockchain, you know, non-technical, you know, to, you know, you're really, and, I, and I'm pretty good with stuff, you know, I'll give it a go, but it's kind of going the, I think that that really is something, and, and there is some really good stuff coming out, you know, there are some startups um, that are popping up with things like you can undo transactions, because a big fear of people is like, so I'm going to put this money into the. I'm going to put my actual, you know, money into it into this wallet, and then I'm going to send it to the the longest address known to man. And if I get one digit wrong, it could just go anywhere, and then I've lost my money. You know that we're going to really have to find ways of, of making it. it. You know, for me, it's going if you can reach a point, and, and I'm starting to see it happen, where it is the equivalent of having a mobile um, banking app. You know, and let's face it, they were shocking to use. You know, for a long time. Um, you know, the, well, still, you know, the wonderful card reader, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that's I think that's its biggest challenge um, and opportunity. You know, if you, if you can have more people, you know, like me, you know, th- this generation, you know, people who have got disposable income, actually, you know, um, to an extent, then then they can start to be part of this ecosystem rather than it being um, a very niche, uh, a very niche space. That's important. It's, it's opportunity. It's it's what I've been working on. And I don't know if you, I told you about this in our last conversation last year, a year ago. Um, I worked with Derek Watford, who I may or may not introduce you to, to host the first HBCU, and that's an acronym for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, uh, eSports uh, Conference and Career Expo in the Metaverse, in the Central Land. And it, it wasn't exclusively for Black people, but the goal was to, to provide uh, visibility and, and open the doors for opportunity yeah. to black and Latinx communities, which are yeah. historically disadvantaged in the U.S. Um, by mm-hmm. 2053, it's predicted that the median household wealth for black families in the U.S. will fall to zero dollars. I read, I read, I saw this online. Yeah. 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 So it, it's, it's a crisis. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a, a biological crisis globally here with, with the mm-hmm. pandemic. There's a financial, a pending financial crisis yeah. for communities of color. Which yeah. I think will then become a U.S. issue because 30% of the U.S. population is either Black or Hispanic. So if 30% mm-hmm. of the, the the tax paying former tax paying uh, members are now have negative or, or zero wealth, that means they're probably leaning heavily on federal funding, you know, welfare. Yeah, it's actually um, youth and employment in the U.S. Um, costs the Treasury uh, 1.6 trillion. So yes. it's a trillion dollar problem just in the U.S. Um, so there are compelling reasons um, to find solutions to it. Right, right, exactly. So you're right. It's not like a necessarily a charity case. I mean, you, no, you are doing no. good, but it's it's a business problem, yeah. and you know, for the right business, an opportunity. Yeah, and also, you know, as a you know, my background was you know charity. Young people don't want to be charity cases. They want opportunities. And they want paid work. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I think it's important. Um, you know, to be we can be. You know, we've we've had a bridge. You know, the kind of social impact. You know, business, and I think that's an important model um, for this. Um, so that employers, you know, educators start to see young people as investments, um, not charity. Excellent. So I, I want to definitely connect you with the Gamify team um, mm-hmm. offline. We can talk about ways to get our ecosystem integrated with yours yeah. and, and create that bridge of opportunity. Because as you know, we're bringing several projects in. Again, mm-hmm. one's launching tomorrow. Another yeah. next Thursday. On and on into the metaverse infinity. So <laughs> I, I want to make sure that, that everyone has those opportunities and then it, it mm-hmm. helps those businesses as well because they now have a, a wider uh, catalog, if you will, of, of mm-hmm. applicants to yeah. choose to build their teams. And yeah. again, younger, 
uh, people who understand, not just younger, people who understand gamification because they play video games. It's just a win-win yeah. for everyone. Yeah. And and you can see when people don't and they kind of, you know, gamification is like we did a lot of, you know, we didn't really hate it because <laughs> it's like, because it's really bad. <laughs> and a lot of it. So it's kind of going, yeah, the more actual gamers, you know, with those expertise, those skill sets that are going into these, uh, you know, sort of new roles that are occurring. But I think that will be, it will avoid some of the, um, you know, some of the horror, <laughs> some of the horror stories. Yeah, if you, you check out Sebastian Burtons, who's the, the co-host of my, my other podcast, you know, uh, E for Life, you just made a comment on that that uh, stat that I said that had one particular publicly traded esports organization had a 93% decrease yeah. share price from previous years to now. And he made a very uh, important statement that a lot of these organizations are run by people who either didn't play games or don't appreciate mm-hmm. the value and the culture of gaming. You don't yeah. have to play games to necessarily be an executive in these companies, but yeah. having no no appreciation for understanding of the culture, mm. I think tends to influence you to make decisions that don't support, that don't align with the culture. And I think that difference in share price, uh, mm. despite the, or separate to the fact that it's artificially inflated, but that, that mm. difference is what makes a lot of these companies unsuccessful. Yeah, yeah definitely. As I sit here, not from a gaming background. Right, no, but you, <laughs> well, it's not... You don't have to necessarily play video games, but you appreciate gaming. Yeah, I, yeah, I love it. You know, I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating space. And, I'm, I, yeah, and I, I do have a son who is one, so. Right, you're willing to spend <laughs> the time and, and, and become part of the culture. So I think that's yeah. important. Uh, we, we are here at the end of the episode. So before we go, is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to give it a shout out to or, or speak to anything you have coming up this year that people should, should be aware of? Yeah, so um, this year uh, we'll be announcing um, shortly uh, in April, we're announcing CareerCon, uh, which is the um, first kind of Gen Z um, discovery uh, careers festival that you might actually want to go to. <laughs> um, and, and again, it's about, you know, for us, it's a, it's not about bringing people into the party who already are in and know about it. It's it's an ability for young people to come and explore and discover um, just the sheer breadth and depth um, of what this industry is all about and um, that they can be part of it. So um so yeah, that, we're announcing that on the fourth of April. Even though technically I've just announced it now. Every episode I give a little bit of alpha. <laughs> so thank you for that. Everyone who's listening, uh, if you want to learn more, if you're watching the video, you can see the website. It's hundo.careers. H-U-N-D-O dot C-A-R-E-E-R-S. I think I didn't misspell either of those pieces. Right. You did. And then well, how, how, you can they, how can they follow you? You as a thought leader, as an innovator, as, as a pioneer in the space, how people. How can people get to know more about you and support you? So, um, yeah, LinkedIn is is my primary uh, channel. Um, and I'm, on, I'm also um, on Twitter, uh, metaester.e. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, there's so many secondary conversations to have. We're, we're in the end of this episode, so we'll, we'll save that for another time. For those of you who are listening, our next episode will be next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Let me get this time right before I, I think it's 4 p.m. I think it's 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Yes. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Tuesday. We have Ryan McDowell, who is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer at Ethermon. He'll be joining us to, to do a deep dive in that project and, and how they have an amazing story about how the community, the project basically was dying and the community revived it, like took it over and now it's, it's thriving. So be sure to tune in for that. Again, don't miss out on the IDOs that are coming up tomorrow and next Thursday. Thank you again, Esther, for your time. And good night, friends.